2: on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Movies can make you happy.
2: There's no crying! There's no crying in baseball!
3: Movies can make you feel excited.
2: Avengers!
3: Assemble. Movies can also make you feel scared. Well, I'm Pennywise... But every now and then comes a movie that makes you feel oddly emotional and that's what we are talking about on this episode and I have brought my co-host and fiance onto the podcast. Hello Kelsey. Hello. So we're going to talk about not sad movies because I think that would just be a depressing episode. But there's some movies we've watched recently together that have just kind of hit a nerve in our hearts and in our bodies that just made us feel like man like it wasn't intentionally a sad movie on all of these but it was just something about them that made us feel and i think that's really important for a movie to do no matter if it makes you feel angry or happy or sad just that it strikes any kind of chord with you so that's what we're talking about today just something that made us feel emotional we'll describe that that all sound good with you sounds good so we'll get right into that without any further ado let's get started
0: in a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast. One man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast.
3: Alright, so the movie that inspired this whole topic was a movie called Cloud that's available now on Disney+. Plus. It is inspired by a true story, pretty much just based on this guy's life. And so I don't think we're ruining anything in the fact that it really happened, right? It's a movie inspired by this teenager, Zach Sobiech and his life and his battle with cancer. And it starts out, you don't really expect it to be a sad movie because he's like a happy teenager performing at a talent show and then it gets dark pretty quickly. And while this one is a sad movie, I think there's specific points in it to where it just kind of hit me in an emotional way that I wasn't expecting. And I think it's kind of with this relationship with his family, right? I think that's what you felt too?
4: Oh, for sure. Just watching his relationship with his siblings. I have two younger brothers. And so just that like sibling bond and watching them like walk alongside him as he fought cancer, that part hit me the most.
3: So the most inspiring thing about this movie is that it's based about something, them writing the song. And he started a group called A Firm Handshake with him and another classmate. And this really happened. The song came out. And it blew up like it did in the movie. And it went to number one on iTunes. And I think hearing that song now and kind of seeing how much of an impact it's having on people on Twitter. And just knowing that he's since passed. And that song still kind of lives on. It's really kind of an emotional thing. And I went back and listened to the song and just thinking of what he was going through when the song was blowing up. What it kind of meant to his family to hear that song on the radio and to have that kind of moment in time to where everybody was kind of learning about his story, interviewing him on the news. And at the time where his cancer was probably the worst is when it was having its most success. So I think in that sense is what really made it kind of emotional. What kind of feeling did you take away from that movie?
4: Yeah, it was overall... It's sad, like it's just a sad story, that's just the fact, but I think watching his relationships and how he handled it, um, that part was just super inspiring, like his courage to walk through that as a teenager, and just like how his friends came alongside him, and his girlfriend, and just seeing all of those relationships and people that like built him up. Um, And then after the movie came out, the song went number one on iTunes again, which was really cool to see.
3: Yeah, and... I've gone back, like I said, I've gone back and listened to it, too. And I remember, v- like, a little bit when this happened in real life, because I remember the the group name of firm Handshake, and I remember seeing that, but I never really connected it with him and his story. Did you remember anything about when it actually happened?
4: I remember hearing about it. I feel like that was it was covered on the news, but it I didn't remember any of the details.
3: And it's also directed by the guy from Jane the Virgin, right? Yes. Justin. Baldoni. And... I just think he did a really great job with this movie because it's already a great story in itself. And I think that's what sometimes directors, they find these stories based, you know, based on true life and it still takes a lot to get it down. Right. You could take this story and I wouldn't say mess it up, but tell it in a way that doesn't really have the same impact. And I think he did such a great job of making it emotional, but also making it, entertaining which is kind of weird to say because it is a sad story and there are some just parts in there that are really gut-wrenching but there's also some really uplifting parts and I think they kind of have to present it in a way one where it's not cheesy and you're not just feel like you're watching kind of a like the dr- like the dramatics of it kind of play out in a weird way it's like very just hits you when it's supposed to hit you and kind of lets up on other spots so I think he did a really great job with that and at about a two hour long movie i never really felt like i wanted it to be over
4: no i thought it was it's a story that has to be handled with care because it is somebody's life and it's his family's tragedy and so i mean i think he did a really good job of putting that into something like that was well done and that people could consume but it doesn't doesn't glamorize the story either like it Mm -hmm. didn't make it like a Hollywood like photo finish like it just did a good job of laying it all out like the sad parts the happy parts like it it made you feel all of the emotions that I felt like went with the seasons
3: of his life throughout the movie and not only that but I also think they got the casting down really well the casting in this movie it was really good like just phenomenal like I think the weird part for me was seeing Nev Campbell in this as the mom and just remembering her from like the 90s and how like she was always like the teenager, the younger person. And now Party in, of five. And now in like the parent adult role, that was cool to see. But also just like, OK, that was a really great placement of like having her in that movie. And yeah, it is pretty just gut wrenching at the end. Ultimately, it's just, it's a sad movie. But also the probably the hardest part in the entire movie was like in the credit scene where it's showing like the real life footage. That was hard. And you get to see him like that was hard. But the scene, I think, that made me the most emotional and was kind of the most gut-wrenching was when they do find out, ultimately, that he doesn't have that long to live. He's terminal. But they're supposed to have this big concert. He's supposed to have a performance. And right before it, he gets, like, really sick. And he's in the basement alone. And when his sister comes in... Oh, that,
4: that scene got me. I get chills thinking about
3: it. It's a chilling scene because he's there just lying on the couch. And then she comes in and just can't hold it together. And it's really sad. But if you haven't seen this movie yet, I think it's a really great watch. And it's also cool to go learn about his story. And then just go listen to the song. And I'm gonna play a little bit of it right now. Go up in the clouds because the- So that's the movie Clouds. Anything else you want to say about that movie?
4: I just thought it was well done. I thought everyone should watch it. Grab some tissues, though. You'll need it. You will need tissues. Um, You will then want to, like, text everyone in your life (laughs) that you
3: love them afterwards. And we're not really people who cry during movies. I don't cry
4: movies. Like, I've... Like, let me... What's a good example? A Walk to Remember, for anyone that's seen that. Also a sad story, kind of along the same lines. It didn't make me cry, and I know that makes me sound awful, but it just there are certain aspects to movies. Like I think this one was really the sibling relationships. Mm-hmm. I just thought of my little brothers, but I don't really cry at movies. Yeah.
3: And I, I'm not saying cause I'm a guy that I have like no emotions. I'm not going to cry in a movie. I'll admit if a movie makes me cry, I'll cry. But, I can confirm, but it's very rare that something gets me like this. And it wasn't just because it was the fact that he ends up dying at the end. It was the fact like seeing his, how his family dealt with it. I thought that was the more emotional part aside from it being a sad movie. But it takes a lot for me to get emotional in a movie because I have to have some kind of personal connection with either the entire movie franchise or just something that I relate to in the movie. I can't just watch a movie about somebody dying, knowing they're going to die at the end or whatever. Like, I I don't feel that's sad to me. It takes something a little bit more, so I think that's why we kind of decided to do this episode. And the movie that you made me watch just now that surprisingly I hadn't seen yet was instant family. And about, I'd say what, 20 minutes into this movie, I was doing puppy dog eyes already. <laughs> Cause I was like, Oh my gosh. And this isn't a sad movie. It's not, it's not sad at all. There's nothing really like. Tra- the subject,
4: the subject matter is hard.
3: It's hard. It's tough. That's I why think,
4: I think that's the, it's not necessarily sad. It's emotional.
3: It's very emotional. So it's Mark Wahlberg, Rose Byrne, and, First of all, I just got to say that Mark Wahlberg is a very underrated actor because he can do a movie like this to where it's a little more dramatic and comedic, but people just know him as the action guy. Like he does all those kind of movies, but I really like him in this kind of role. So I got to give props to Mark Wahlberg, not that he's going to be listening to this or anything, but I just really like him. I think he's a really solid actor. Doesn't get enough credit, but this movie, yeah, like those first 20 minutes, it just it just got me instantly so it's about this couple and they're at a point in their marriage where they haven't had kids. So they decide, Hey, let's see what fostering is about. And he, he wasn't really into it at the very beginning. Right. And it was when he's going through and looking at like the profiles on that website, Dory, it hits him.
4: Well, she was looking at them. Yeah. Right. And then she left her laptop.
3: Up. She leaves her laptop. He comes back and looks at it. And then he's instantly like, Oh, I was kind of joking about this but now I'm kind of serious. And I think it was even just that scene at the very beginning that got me when he's going through and scrolling all. It was thr- the profiles. because The profiles. Yeah, those you, are sad. You see the pictures, you see the kids' age, and you see the quotes that they wrote. And it's, it hits you because you'd never really think about those kind of things. And the only real kind of knowledge or any kind of information I've gotten from Foster care and foster families is with Eddie who I work with on the Bobby Bone show. He is fostering two kids right now and everything that he's talked about throughout their journey and he's had those foster kids now for two almost two, almost years. two years. And to hear his story and to watch this movie knowing that that's something not only Eddie's family has gone through but so many other families who have done this. It just was really eye opening to me and I think you said a, a lot of people Side of this movie is it being a pretty good representation, right? I would say so. And it, I mean, a movie, it's gonna you know take some things out of context, or it's gonna make things more movie. There's only
4: there's only two hours, so you can only you show so <laughs> much of a story yeah. about fostering. But it gives you, I think, it gives you an idea. Like it doesn't doesn't gloss over some of the hard parts of it.
3: And that's what I liked about this movie because sometimes when you think about you know we're gonna do something like this, you know, foster a kid. You think of it being, it is going to be tough, but also there's kind of this thing around it, like it's going to have some kind of magical, like, oh, we're all together now. I took them from a situation that they needed to be taken away from, and I'm giving them a family that it's it's, it's going to fix everything. There's a lot more problems. And like I said, from some of the things I've learned from Eddie, it's like there's a lot more there to unpack that you don't think about. There are a lot of things going on in these kids' lives. And in this movie, they take... Not one, not two, but three kids, one who is which a teenager. So this movie tackled a lot. I think another aspect of it that I took away from was that the kids are Mexican. And for me, I'm I'm Mexican. If you didn't know, listening to this,
4: I didn't know. I have two Mexican
3: <laughs> parents. My parents came to the United States from Mexico as teenagers to this country and not only that, but I have a lot of aunts and uncles who have a lot of kids and sometimes have had struggles with their own kids. And I could think about situations to where maybe their kids could have been taken away from them. And I just know how hard that aspect is for somebody who is Mexican like me. And I kind of identified a little bit with that when, you know, their sister in this movie is so protective of the two younger kids. And I just know like a lot of people like that and that kind of family dynamic and i can only imagine what that's like to be taken away from your mom who's going through some struggles and to be taken with a family who doesn't look like you so i think that's a big issue here too just another thing that you don't really think about um what made you feel emotional about this movie
4: well i think there were just certain parts that they weren't even like done in like a oh this is like a big wow moment but just the little parts like when the kids showed up and they had all of their stuff in trash bags and like Mm -hmm. that's how they transport everything from house to house like that got me and then they dump out one of the trash bags and it's like all of their teddy bears and it's a bear that they've gotten from every time they've gone to family court and there are so many bears Mm -hmm. and you're just like oh these kids are going through just like such hard stuff that like even I at the age of almost 27 don't even think I would be strong enough to go through and these little kids are just taking in stride but I think they showed too like and it's not even always like a big thing that unpacks smaller issues it's like a dropped glass of milk at the dinner table and that Mm -hmm. turns into something so it's showing that like and again I'm not in the situation so I can't speak but it's not always the big like moments like that unpack like the little like traumas or mm-hmm. things like that like it can be something small so i thought they did a good representation of that without making it like a, oh look at this moment like it just kind of felt well like done yeah how else to describe that
3: <laughs> the other thing too was just learn like seeing them not know about things yes like they didn't know what six flags was yeah and i've heard other stories about that to where like they don't experience any of those things as like normal kids do do you And I take for granted that we learned as kids. That's one of the toughest things to hear. And yeah, that was tough. But also there's some funny parts in this movie. It's not, not, it will make you stop you from watching. it. It will make you feel, it will make you, I'd say tear up at parts, but not just in a sad way. It also has really uplifting parts that will kind of make you cry tears of joy, if you will. So it has that kind of balance of...
4: Also, the caseworkers were excellently yeah,
3: cast. Yeah, was great in this movie. Octavia Spencer. So good. So if you haven't seen it, you can watch that one on Amazon. I really recommend it. I think it's a great feel-good watch movie right now and will really open up your mind and your scope on that whole situation if you don't know a whole lot about it. And if you have gone through something like that, maybe it's you can identify with it a little bit. The other movie I was going to talk about that kind of reminded me of a scene in this, that it, there's a court scene in this, but Big Daddy. <laughs> Classic. Now, that's just a straight on comedy, but it had a moment in that movie that made me feel something, and I don't know what it is about adopting kids or taking care of kids, that's
4: those stories will get me every time. Like anytime there's a story on the news about like a kid that's holding up a sign. That's like, I found my forever home and it's like a picture. Mm-hmm. I'm just a puddle. Like I don't even have to read the caption, just show me a photo and I'm just, I'm done. I'm weeping. Cause it's just so happy. But yeah, those stories will get me. I won't go down that rabbit hole. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but anyway, big daddy, if you don't remember this from 1999, it's Adam Sandler. And basically he adopts a kid to impress his girlfriend it's actually his friend's kid. His friend is in China. He comes to his apartment and he's like, you know what, I'll take care of the kid. And he starts building a relationship with him. But then of course they find out he's been lying the whole time and not seeing who he is. And like him getting ripped apart from him from, he wants Sonny to be his dad, but he can't be his dad. And he's like, dad, or I think he calls him Sonny. Sonny, I can wipe my own ass. No, that's not it but I want my own ass I want my own ass like that was obviously it was supposed to be a funny part in the movie but something it brings some about, tears to your it eyes it brings tears to your eyes and no all he wants to do is be his son and he gets ripped apart it turns out better in the end but it's just little moments like that that I think it takes for me to kind of feel something to have kind of a movie where it's a little bit comedic but also to have a heart and I think those movies are really rare because I think it's not easy to make someone feel sad. But if you present death in a movie, anytime you put like a dog dying in a movie, of course, it's going to be like, it's going to make you sad. So sad. <laughs> I think there's an extra layer there of just something you identify with like that. And another movie that's not a sad movie at all. And I think by this time, we all probably know how Avengers Endgame ends. I don't think I'm spoiling anything. If you're late to it at this point. Somebody has probably spoiled this movie for you, but it's not even the sad scene that everybody knows. I won't even go into spoiling that, but it's the actual scene where they're going into the big final showdown and it's them against Thanos, but all the other Avengers aren't there yet. And to where those portals start opening up and they all come out and then they all charge into that battle. Like that moment affected me unlike any other movie I've ever watched. Because I think it was the culmination of every single Marvel movie that came out before this. And it felt like the 10 years I had put into watching Marvel movies and following all these storylines and connecting all the dots and all the money I've spent on Marvel movie tickets, all was represented in this scene and paid off. Unlike any other thing that will ever happen again. And in that moment, I felt pure joy and excitement and in a way that i don't think I'll ever see done again. And that was probably the last movie in theaters that made me feel like that. And it's what I'm going to miss the most about going to the movies because there's, you, I, in all the movies I've watched this year on the couch, I haven't felt that way. And there's something about going to the movies and experiencing that with other people, whether it's a sad movie or an exciting movie, there's something about experiencing it in a crowd that will also make you feel. And I think that's what we're all kind of missing out on this year. And I feel like a piece of me is missing from not doing that. And it's weird to say that going to the movies and having that experience has affected me emotionally, but it kind of has, it's taken away that little feeling that endorphin release for me. So yeah, that also makes me feel emotional. Is there any other movie you can think of that made you emotional in an odd way?
4: No, because I'm just stuck on actually sad movies. Okay. That's not the point.
3: We will do that another time. But anyway, (laughs) those are movies that made us feel oddly emotional. What I want to talk about next is the movie we watched on Netflix over the weekend, The Holiday. And it was number one for a while. And you recommended this movie. And I was like, I'll watch it. I didn't know a whole lot about it. I thought it was going to be a Christmas movie. I found out it was a little something different. But we'll talk about that next.
6: Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess. The 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again
3: Alright, good to get into a movie review now, talking about the movie Holiday, which just came out on Netflix. If you haven't heard of it, well, here's a little clip. That's what I need for New Year's Eve.
0: We can be each other's holiday. Come
6: on, friends with benefits never works. Let's make it official. Non-sexual holidays from now
0: on. This is great. We avoid
2: this stupid pressure. And all the judgment. Happy Easter, my little bunnies.
3: All right, so the movie stars Emma Roberts and Luke Bracey, who I kind of feel is like a Kmart version of Chris Hemsworth. He's very Australian, very good looking, and that's what I kind of felt. Is that an accurate representation of him?
4: I would say that's accurate. I don't know if I would go Kmart, but I can't think of a better store at the moment. So okay, we'll roll with that.
3: So I thought this was going to be a straight-on Christmas movie, and I thought we were just switching from Halloween to Christmas, and I'm fine with that.
4: I'm just I'm all in on Christmas. Like it's Christmas now.
3: So it starts with Christmas, but what happens is they go through pretty much every single holiday in the United States, and the movie is about Emma Roberts' character who has had trouble with guys, hasn't met the right guy, and there's this other Australian dude, kind of in a similar situation. They meet at a mall and decide they don't really want to be boyfriend and girlfriend, they just want to be each other's quote-unquote holidays, meaning they will go to every Holiday together as a couple so their family won't grill them on not having a significant Which other. Which
4: is genius. And honestly, I should have been doing that for the first 24 <laughs> years of life. It's
3: genius. <laughs> and obviously, that kind of sounds like a cheesy premise to a movie. But I didn't really feel like this movie was like straight on cheesy. What do you think?
4: I mean, I watch Hallmark movies. So like my level of just like cheesiness is really low. So I didn't think this was cheesy. But I feel like. You as someone who doesn't like enjoy any sort of cheesy movie might have thought it was cheesy. So I was pleasantly surprised that you didn't.
3: I didn't find it cheesy. I thought it was surprisingly a lot funnier than I was expecting because it was a lot more raunchy than I was 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 expecting. It does have raunchy humor. It is a pretty raunchy movie, but I think it works really well. It's kind of a a hybrid of a like a almost the bridesmaids kind of humor, but. In a kind of more rom-com way. I can't really describe that kind of raunchiness.
4: Yeah, it wasn't, it's not like terribly raunchy. So if anyone's listening and you're like, oh, I don't want to watch it. It's, yeah, it's definitely, I don't, I wouldn't say it's Bridesmaids or like hangover level raunchy. Bridesmaids comedy level.
3: I'd say it's a ooh. little more crude than raunchy. Yes, if that a makes sense. There's more cursing, but less just straight on like, oh, here, I can't believe that's happening right now. The movie, though, I really enjoyed it, and I literally laughed out loud during it, and I wasn't really expecting to laugh like that. Did it get you, too?
4: Oh, it did. I just needed something funny, light, yeah, and it met all the requirements.
3: Do you like Emma Roberts?
4: I do. I wouldn't say that I, like, seek out movies that she's in, but I like her.
3: Well, I have worked on my top five Emma Roberts movies, and I didn't realize how big of a fan I was of her. If you don't know, she is related to Julia Roberts. That's her aunt. Yes. So that is the connection there. And I think aunt? Aunt. I said aunt. Am I an aunt (laughs) person? (laughs) Wow. I guess I'm an aunt person. What do you say, aunt?
4: I'm straight up texting it as aunt.
3: Oh well, I don't really say aunt. I actually say thea.
4: I was gonna say. Have you <laughs> ever called any of? your I've family never called any aunt? of my
3: family an aunt, so I'll call them my tia or my tio. So that's. <laughs> so we just learned something. Unless I'm addressing my own aunt, I never call them that.
4: Aunt. Wow.
3: I, I call them my aunt. <laughs> it's
4: gonna take me a minute to get past
3: that. <laughs> anyway, back to Emma Roberts.
4: <laughs> She's related to Julia Roberts. She's related.
3: She is her thea. <laughs> uh my top five emma roberts movies i'm putting this in at number five okay i felt it was a really solid movie all the way through it made me laugh and it's kind of what i needed it's a good palate cleanser movie yeah i watched borat and some other horror movies recently and this was a good reset but not only that like it kept my attention throughout the entire movie unlike some other movies i've watched recently to where i drift a little bit or get a little bored or it has slow parts surprisingly this movie kept my intention the entire time so i'm putting it at number five on my emma roberts list at number four i'm going with a movie called blow which is johnny depp and this is emma roberts very first movie so she was like literally a kid in this movie had a very brief scene but i just think it's really interesting to watch her from a very young age already being like such a serious movie and all the movies she's done since um that's a really good movie i'll put that at number four At number three, I'm going to put It's Kind of a Funny Story. It's a movie with her and Zach Galifianakis, and it's based on a book, and she's living in a psych ward. There was actually a music video that fans made from footage of the movie to a Blink-182 song, and then Blink-182 saw that music video and based their own official music video on that. So I thought that was a pretty cool connection, but also a really good movie. Also kind of a sad movie, but I really liked her in that one. At number two... I'm going to go with We're the Millers. A funny one.
4: (laughs) I forgot she was in that.
3: Yeah, I think that was kind of her... A really big hit for because it was a comedy. And an oddly really funny movie. I forgot
4: how much I like that movie.
3: Again, kind of a dumb premise, but it works. And at number one, I'm putting this movie called Nerve, which she did with Dave Franco, the brother of... James Franco. Correct. And it's about... She's like in high school... And she gets put into like this game of like truth or dare. And it's like this weird kind of futuristic scenario to where they have people watching them. Kind of like you do like on like, it's like a live stream and they're having to do like these truth or dare challenges to win points. And they end up getting like manipulated by this weird kind of entity. It's really great. And you're looking at me weird (laughs) (laughs) as I do my hand motions, but yeah, that's a good movie anyway interjected there with my top five Emma Roberts movies but back to the holiday which I put at number five what would you give it as a rating
4: I would give it four out of five mall laps
3: that is a very good system now in this movie they meet at a mall and they go to the mall a lot and I feel I am the only person maybe not now while we're living in a pandemic that loves going to the mall
4: you love the mall like weirdly love the
3: mall I'll explain why As a kid, my parents would take us to the mall as a family. We would never buy anything, but we would go to the mall and it felt like going to an amusement park. You pull up to the mall and back in the day, it was called Redbird Mall in Dallas. And there was something about that experience that I loved. We would walk in from Sears. I would go take the escalator up to play the video games. I think it was an N64 at the time. And the whole kind of experience there was just going into every store. I go to electronics boutique, which was a <laughs> entertainment video game store. Just look around at all the things that I couldn't afford or buy. We'd walk through the food court again, wouldn't buy anything, but it just was an experience that I remember as a kid loving that kind of family time too. But it always just felt like doing something special and fun. So as an adult, same thing. A good mall lab was something I enjoyed doing. I still wouldn't buy a whole lot of stuff as an adult, but I would get a coffee and just go up and down the mall. My, me and my brother would do that. And then when you and I started dating, that was something I kind of showed you like, Hey, I like going to the mall, which for you, was it weird dating a guy that liked going to the mall?
4: No, cause I, it's not that I don't like the mall. And I, I get your like, Childhood love of it. I loved it too. My mom and I would go to the Hello Kitty store. That was always great, or the candy store. So I have good, like, childhood memories of the mall. But as an adult, I just associate the mall with, like, when you really need clothes for, like, that one special occasion coming Mm -hmm. up in, like, two days and you go and you find nothing and you're really annoyed because the mall has a ton of options and you can't find anything. Or I go to the mall and I spend too much money. So I just, like, try to stay away from the mall.
3: One thing you. Presented to me about the mall that I didn't know that kids actually did was going to Build a Bear.
4: Oh, I loved Build a Bear. Don't even get me started on Build a Bear. Now,
3: I never built a bear. <laughs> I remember seeing the store, but again,
4: I had so many of them, and they all, there was an outfit for every day of the week. Uh, I think one of my Build a Bears had like a little couch.
3: Oh, they come with couches?
4: That was extra.
3: Oh, they okay. It. That
4: was an accessory purchase. <laughs> I would get the catalogs at a birthday party there one time. You put the little heart in it and you tell it that you
3: love it you tell the bear that you love it when you make it <laughs> you rub the heart between your hands so it's warm you it in what did you do with all the build the bears you made
4: i think my mom and i probably gave them away i didn't throw them away but i okay. donated
3: them after you told them that you love them you donated them <laughs>
4: What was I supposed to do with them? They
3: didn't get upset at you.
4: I had a lot of bears.
3: I thought you loved me.
4: Did you want me to like bring them into this relationship? I
3: thought they were still in your suitcases packed here. (laughs) But I never built a bear. Maybe when we have little ones someday, we take them to build a bear. Oh, I've already said
4: I'm so down for build a bear. Okay. You get to like choose the, you like put the stuffing and you step on the pump. Wow, now I'm just on a build
3: a bear wormhole. Do you work for them?
4: (laughs) This is not an ad, okay. but like if y'all want us to do ads, okay. I will.
3: <laughs> but currently, this podcast is not sponsored by Bill De or the mall. Uh, also, while watching this movie, I was trying to be like, I think I know where that mall is. Then I realized that every single mall looks exactly they the same. They all look the same. I don't know why. I was like, I know that mall. There's a foot action underneath the escalator. I've been there. But yes, I did enjoy that aspect of this movie of them connecting at the mall. I would give this movie... I'm right there with you. I think it's a good four out of five. I'm going to say Australians. Okay. Four out of five Australians. I liked it.
4: Also, Kristen Shinoeth is hilarious in it. She is great. She's so funny. Uh, It had a good cast.
3: Another good movie with a good cast. All right. So that is The Holiday.
4: Are you going to give an honorable mention to Emma Roberts and Unfabulous on Nickelodeon?
3: Oh, yeah. That's not a movie, so I won't get into that. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I was uh, Unfabulous kid. I, I was more Nickelodeon than I was Disney, and there was a really early 2000s period where they put out some really great shows. Unfabulous was one of them. Ned's Declassified was one of them, so I was more of a Nickelodeon kid. What about you?
4: I feel like I was both. I watched a lot of TV, so I, I liked it all. I was a Disney kid for a while, but I can appreciate a good Unfabulous. I was a Zoe 101 fan.
3: Oh, I never really got into that.
4: I was a big Zoe 101 fan.
3: Well, there you go. An extra Nickelodeon review. (laughs) All right. What I want to talk about next is the movie I wasted $20 on this weekend. I want to see how you feel about me wasting $20 on a movie. Okay. Great. All right. (laughs) Let's talk about that. next.
5: The therapy for black girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things, mental health, personal development,
6: Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess. The 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again
3: All right, so I think this is kind of the new norm now when it comes to watching movies that are sort of in theaters right now, which pretty much nothing new is coming out, but also kind of on demand. And what they do is they'll put them out in select theaters, but they'll also make them available to watch for $20 at home. And there's this movie I've been wanting to see now for a while called Kajillionaire.
4: That just sounds great. Like, that (laughs) screams award-winning.
3: Well, I knew it was going to be kind of an indie movie, and I like those every now and then. And it was getting really great reviews. It had an 89% score on Rotten Tomatoes. So I was like, okay, I will watch this movie. I thought it was available just to stream at this point, but it's still 20 bucks. And I was like, you know what? I need to see something new. The premise of it sounded pretty good. And so it's about this family who has taught their only daughter how to be a con artist and how to do... These little things to make them money and basically steal from people or just kind of find a way to swindle or just be a con artist, basically. And I was like, that sounds interesting enough. The main girl in it is Evan Rachel Wood, and it also has Gina Rodriguez, who is from Jane the Virgin. Another connection here. There we go. So I was like, okay, this movie has to be at least a good watch. It has the rating here. I'll... Put up the 20 bucks to watch it, which is a lot. Now, if we watch a movie together, I can justify a little more because it's like paying for a movie ticket. 10 bucks, 10 bucks. That's probably what we'd spend at the movies. But I knew you probably weren't going to watch this movie for me, with me. And what I do on Saturday mornings is wake up early and watch a movie.
4: You get up so early on Saturdays.
3: I know. It's obnoxious.
4: Like 630 (laughs)
3: some weeks. It was seven this time. Still early. But that's what I like to do. It's my one little piece sometimes every week just to sit down and watch a movie.
4: Are you saying that's the only time I let you watch a movie in quiet?
3: No, but it's the only time I can watch a movie that you don't want to watch. Fair? Fair. That's where I save like the indie flick or the horror movie, something you won't be into. And it's my little couch movie time. But anyway, spending 20 bucks just to watch a movie by myself, it's a bit of an investment. And this movie about 20 minutes in... I would have rated it a four. I like movies that are a little odd based in a reality that's not that could happen, but it's just so far fetched. It feels kind of like a fairy tale. I'm fine with that. I kind of like those odd, off to center movies. That's what I felt like this movie was in the first 20 minutes. And then right around the time it starts to develop, they're basically trying to find a way to raise fifteen hundred dollars and they're going to scam an airline. Is basically what the movie's about, but after that, it really just falls off and leads nowhere, and it turns into a movie about this girl worrying about becoming her parents, and her struggling with the fact that her parents never treated her like a child, even like their daughters. They basically treated her like she was a partner in their con artist whole business adventure. And then it ends with her becoming romantically involved with Gina Rodriguez's character. I won't spoil the end of of the movie in case you want to watch it, but it just turns into them having this weird relationship. And this is the only movie I've watched this entire year to where I was like, what is this movie? What is happening here? Did I miss something? I think there was kind of an existential theme here of i don't know the worry of becoming your parents or just finding something like that but i thought the movie was terrible and i think it sucks that just to find that out i had to waste 20 dollars that is sad what do you think about that about wasting 20 bucks on a movie
4: i don't feel like that's any different than anytime we've gone to a movie and not really liked it i feel Good like you point. take that risk going to a movie Like there's been movies where the trailer looks great and then you go spend $20 to see it. And then you realize that every funny part was in the trailer and there was nothing else. You're right. So I don't feel like it's
3: that big of a deal. I guess I didn't think about it that way. I just feel like when you at least go to see a movie in theaters, whether it's good or not, you at least experience something a little bit more. It's true. And there's just some kind of disconnect to when you press okay on a movie, even if it's paying for like a 99 cent app on your phone, it's a little bit more of a step to take to do that. And I don't know, there's something mentally in my brain that goes off of like, okay, I'm going to be spending 20 bucks by clicking this button aside from when I like hand somebody 20 bucks. Like it's easier for me to go spend 20 bucks on the store and something, but just something about that online process to where I feel like watching a movie on a streaming service and paying for it at home feels like you're getting less than you do going to a movie theater is what I think is what I struggle with. So it kind of felt for me, like I got ripped off at the end of this movie. i like, man, I just spent twenty bucks on that, and it was awful. So, I don't know. I think I'll have to. The weird part about this movie, though, is that it has a really good Rotten Tomato score, but a low audience score. And we were talking about the movie Holiday earlier, that has a lower critic score and a higher audience score so i've I think, never
4: understood movie critic scores i'm like what are you looking
3: for I, yeah i don't really get them all the time either because a movie like a critics are gonna love i think more so because they find something different about it and they also have to have a more i don't know a movie palette of like knowing what is good and being like oh this movie is good you guys don't know good movies like no i know what a good movie is like i was in no way entertained by this And if it was trying to say something that I didn't see while watching it, then it did a bad job. Unlike a movie like The Holiday, I knew exactly what that was. I knew exactly what was going on. I know it wasn't anything groundbreaking, but you and I enjoyed that movie. We would give it a great rating. Rotten Tomatoes sees that movie and they're like, nah, bad rating. So I think there's a little bit something flawed in looking at that Rotten Tomatoes score, which I admit sometimes I've been guilty of, of, like looking at a movie and it having a bad score and thinking, oh, I'm not going to watch it. They've said it's bad. So if you are looking up movies on Rotten Tomatoes, which you should be getting all your recommendations from this podcast, what am I talking about? <laughs> but I'd say look at the audience score more than looking at the critic score. I think it it's more of a reflection of people like you listening to this podcast of just people who want to watch something good And not just something that you're going to be like, oh, this is critically acclaimed (laughs) in in every way. So, and no way I'd say check out Kajillionaire. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it fell flat. I'll take the hit on the 20 bucks and I'll put it towards something else later. That's better to watch. All right. That is my rant on $20 movies. (laughs) All right. A quick bit of movie news as we wrap up this episode. Thanks for hanging out with me, by the way, for the entire episode.
4: What else was I gonna do?
3: Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you could do. You could do anything, and you decided to be here, and I appreciate it.
4: You're welcome. Sorry, that was a smart <laughs> remark. I shouldn't have said that. I apologize.
3: <laughs> but uh, we both saw this over the weekend of Sean Connery passing away. He was 90 years old. Most known for playing and being the original James Bond, and what everybody would say is the best James Bond and a little bit before both of our times, but he is the person I just knew and identified always with James Bond. In our lifetime, I guess it was more Pierce Brosnan, and then now Daniel Craig, who I think does a really great job at it. Again, the 007 movies now aren't really my favorite, but when it comes to the classics of the James Bond movies, I think it is without a doubt Sean Connery's role. He starred in seven of the Bond films between 1962 and 1983, Basically his biggest movies, he did end up winning an Academy Award later down the line, but I think that's what I saw everybody really posting about over the weekend, about him passing away. So that's another another big movie loss in actors this year. So rest in peace to Sean Connery. In his honor, go watch one of his classic James Bond movies. And kind of related to that is there was some rumors about the new James Bond movie kind of being chopped around to Netflix. But it looks like they're still going to come out with a theatrical release on it in 2021. But for a very brief moment this week, there was discussion of it just dropping on Netflix, which I think would be huge for them because they haven't really had something of that magnitude go to but Netflix. Would they
4: even make, would the studio even make its money back? I mean, I get you'd have new people subscribing, but would you really have new people subscribing or would you just have people signing up for that seven day free trial of Netflix with their 17th email account?
3: Netflix has taken away now the free trial. <sighs> It is gone. Sad. So, Not saying I ever did that, by the way. <laughs> so, uh, I they haven't had a major franchise hop over like that. Like, no movie has gone really into that territory of being set for a big theatrical release to this scale. It's happened in other cases to where it's like, okay, we're going to come out theaters. We'll just put it on Netflix. But a movie this big to do that, I think would be a game changer for them. I don't think... I think at this point, it's kind of like do you want to wait and hold on to these movies for so long? Fair. And I don't know. If it came out on Netflix, I would watch it right now. But anyway, yeah, that was the rumor. And then the other news story I wanted to talk about was last week, I reviewed the new Borat movie. And in that movie, there was a babysitter who I actually thought she was a hired actor in that movie. It turns out that they told her she was part of a different documentary. And they ended up paying her about, A little under $4,000 to be in that movie. But she thought she was just filming a documentary. Found out when Borat came out, what it was. And she was actually like invested of like, okay, this is actually happening. Because she was taking care of Borat's daughter in the movie. And she thought that was like just a documentary. So it came out how much they actually paid her. She felt betrayed by the whole thing. And now a GoFundMe was created. And have raised over $75,000 for her, which is insane. But even more insane of that is I didn't know that she was told that she was filming a different documentary. I know they set up kind of other scenarios for the other people in this movie to get these kind of reactions out of them. But to know that she had no idea she was in a Borat movie until it came out, pretty insane. But also just kind of nice to see that people kind of came to her aid and donated all this money to help her out. So that was cool. All right, that's going to do it for Movie News and for this episode. I do want to give a shout-out, and this week I'm just doing it collectively to the B-Team Facebook group. If you don't know this Facebook group, it was created as a bunch of fans and listeners of the Bobby Bone Show, which I work for. And it's just become this really great community of people coming together and posting about the show. And I also saw a post on there of them talking about the last Halloween episode. So I was like, hey, People are just posting about the podcast over there, so I just wanted to shout out everybody who's seen that post and gone to check out this podcast. That means a lot to me, so just shout out to everybody on the B-Team Facebook group. In addition to that, there was another post about them wanting to get me to 50,000 followers. They did that earlier last week, and I hit it, which was incredible that you guys listening to this were like, hey, let's get them some Instagram followers. You're over that, too. Over that, so. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Thanks for following me on Instagram. And if you guys want, it would really mean a lot to me if you go leave a five-star rating and write a review on Apple Podcasts, because that also helps the podcast here just kind of build and grow and kind of build up in what they call the algorithm that happens over there. So that would mean a lot. I did make the mistake of going and reading through some of my one-star reviews. Oh, (laughs) I don't know why I did that, why I put myself through why that. Why
4: would you do that?
3: I just wanted to see what people were saying.
4: One-star reviews are never constructive criticism. Maybe a three-star review. Is some, one star is just like, they're just looking to be mean.
3: They were a little mean, but the sad part is in one of them, I found a little bit of truth, and I think that one hurt me a little bit. I, I took some of it and changed a little of what I did on this episode. But there was another one that kind of attacked just me as something that I do normally and how I talk. And I was like, dude, I can't change that. Like that is how I, that's how I talk. And that's how I I react to things.
4: Okay. Let me know who it is. Let me add them.
3: It's basically when I do this podcast and do what I just did now is I laugh.
4: They got mad at you for laughing. They're
3: like, why do you laugh in between thoughts? Like I have to be passionate about what I'm talking about. And when I talk about things, sometimes I laugh.
4: Well, and also it's harder, like, if you don't have a guest and you're just having a conversation with yourself. Like, I feel it'd be weird if you just, like, had no reactions or
3: emotions. I guess they don't want me to react to things or have any kind of feeling towards things, so they got upset when I laughed.
4: Whatever, they really probably just don't like puppies.
3: They probably know, but I do read those reviews, um, so it would be Be nice, fun.
4: people. <laughs> this year's already hard enough. Let's be nice.
3: So five stars, if you wouldn't mind. And a little rating over there. But anyway... Thank you guys for listening. Thanks for subscribing. I'll talk to you guys next Monday here on the podcast. Thank you for being my co-host this week.
4: You're welcome. I'll be next time.
3: Okay. <laughs> and now will talk to you guys next week. Until then, later.
0: Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe and my podcast Climbing in Heels is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross, join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. Prepared to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to a cross generations podcast on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast
2: Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret.